everybody. Welcome to the Get Thinking Podcast. Today we're going to be going over quiz 25 and the topic is church. And I am joined today by my dad. This is Pastor Robert Decker um, and he's going to be going through the questions with us. And so we can go ahead and start at question number one. Uh, question one, what is the institution of the church? Hey, well, I first of all want to say thank you for interviewing me. It's kind of cool to uh, to see the next generation actually be interested in the church. So when you're asking these kind of questions, I'm hoping that a lot of you are thinking about it. Um, but your first question was what? What is the institution of the church? Okay, so you uh, when you bring up that kind of concept, um, that's the big the big idea of the church. And I think it's understood best in the comparison of the three things. It, it basically, the church has a measure of authority and it's, it's different from the home, it's different from the state. And that's why I, I always have argued that when you look through scripture, God set up his church to be a, uh, a third leg, so to speak, because he does a lot of things in three. Uh, basically from the Trinity, you can see the Father, Son, and Spirit. But the church is, as the New Testament says, it's the body of Christ. So when you say, what is the institution of the church? Um, I would argue that the church is the organism, the organism of, of Christ's family. And it, since, since the resurrection and ascension of Christ, uh, you have also Christ uh, church being the organization to, that, uh, that God has ordained to take the gospel to the ends of the world. Right. So like what's um a, like a easy way to distinguish or what's the difference between like a church congregation and like the church body like as a whole like the ecclesia. Okay. So uh when you're getting into the details of that um of course Jesus used that term in in Matthew 16 not too long or it wasn't very long after that that he ended up going to the cross. And it's really interesting that when you look at Matthew 16 when Jesus uh says I will build my church and he was going to build it on the statement that that uh, Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Uh, when Peter ushered that or, or uttered that, it was from the Holy Spirit. Now you're asking specifically how, how does that ecclesia that Jesus said he's going to build, that it's going to triumph, it's going to, as, as my one professor said, it's going to prevail. Okay, now you're saying how does that differ from our local church? or from the big thing? Uh, well, obviously, um, there's a lot of theologians that have looked at different things over the years. They tend to say that the church universal uh, is the ecclesia. It's made up of all the Christians throughout all of time. Okay, we often call that the invisible church. But the visible church is what we actually can see. It's physical, and the, and the, the visible church is made up of believers who actually attend people who are, are in the world being able to be seen. Now, when you're actually saying the local body is, is actually where you have usually a shepherd and you have where the word of God is preached and people gather for worship. So uh, there's a lot of different bodies that do that. Uh, we would even say that some of their collections are, are the church, which is a denomination, uh, which I'm Presbyterian. So we actually would say the church, I'm a member of the church that's a Presbytery, but there's also the member of that, that uh, you guys are in, which is the local church here. But in both cases, it's where I have fellowship with the body of Christ. Okay. Um, I think that pretty much answers the question of the church. So we can move to question number two, and it says, what is the condition of the church in America today? So like, how's it doing? <laughs> Well, uh, I almost want to flip the tables and say, you know, what do you think? Uh, because when, when you look around, I mean, you can get statistics. Uh, George Barna in his recent book and in a recent uh, uh, testimony was saying that the church is, is weak because he measured influence. Mm -hmm. 
You know, and he was basically saying, if you look around at the institutions, if you look at the, the state and you look at the home, the church doesn't even seem to have any impact on what's going on in government or what's going on inside people's houses. Um, so in a sense, it, it almost feels like we're invisible. Uh, you could argue that the church is in decline. Uh, some of, some of the, uh, the books that I've looked, it, it basically says that the church had plateaued. Uh, so that you don't see the, the growth, 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 growth. Right now, you, you don't see that. Uh, you tend to see that the, the issue that most people think about the church or the local church is that it's dying, uh, mostly because young people have, uh, have lost the interest in going. And so if you look at the majority of the churches, even here in southern Delaware, uh, they're made up of people that are, uh, that are older than you. Right. Yeah, I was looking at um, some statistics and like the Pew Research uh, was showing like the Christianity in America today. And the group that seems to be going down the most is since like 2007 is like the Protestants. Like Catholics have remained fairly consistent, gone down a little. And then even like Mormons and Orthodox Christians and other Christian are the categories they have have remained pretty consistent, too. But it seems to be like Protestants are the ones going down. Um, so, and it's interesting too because America was founded on Christian principles. So it kind of shows how we've drifted from our biblical um, heritage, and and you could see how it's reflected in government today. We're not following. We're not getting that Christian worldview at home, and so then we're not able to with like keep the government that we had set up based on those principles. Well, you're correct on that. Uh, a big part of what I think that the next generation is not interested in the church. Uh, is that they've been told uh, in their education system that the church is almost mean-spirited. It's kind of uh, antithetical to, to their utopian earth. Uh, they don't want to be judged. They don't want to be told that they can't do things. And so the Protestant church tends to not be a place they gravitate to because, hey, we talk about a God that's going to hold you accountable. You know, that there is a right way and there's a wrong way. And it's kind of, it, it doesn't fit with postmodern thinking, which says, hey, you can have your truth and I can have my truth. And it, the truth is that you don't have that. You know, you, you're just deceived. And, and the sad thing is most, most, of the, uh, uh, most of the people in this modern era don't want to hear that absolute message. Yeah. Definitely. And so, um, and we are seeing that again, like in, in culture today, so it's not doing well. Um, but well, this kind of brings us, I guess we can go to question three. It says, what is the most important thing that the church should be doing? So like we have such a bad uh, spat, I guess, of Christianity today, but is it something the church did wrong or like are the churches doing what they're supposed to be doing? Well, the, uh, the question that you're asking poses the idea that it's all focused on action. Okay, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sold on the exclusive uh, activity of the church. In other words, the church is not just about what it does. The church is uh, something more. It is an, an authority. An authority doesn't have to do everything. An authority in itself is like a check and balance by being there. Uh, when the churches are, let's put it, the, put what I would say now is that churches are not even open. Okay, uh, the, the idea that uh, COVID has shut down so many of them, uh, people have forgotten what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, the gathering of the saints. Uh, people are barely even meeting. Okay, and if they're not even meeting, then, then the problem that would be there is they're not spending time uh, with God. They're not having the worship setting, which, which I believe is, is what the church is, really should be doing. But, but the fact is, is that we've lost being 
not just doing. We've lost the, the family connection. Uh, we, we've lost the, the ability to influence uh, young people from having indiscriminate sex or from even being able to, um, to be able to define what, the, what a family is. Okay, we, 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 don't, we don't even speak to that anymore. Uh, and we barely even speak about sin at all, even in the churches that are open. So what should we be doing? Uh, the number one thing that I would say that a church has to do is it has to usher people into the presence of God. Um, and if it doesn't do that, which is basically worship, it's not just a genre of music. It's when you come to church, you better meet God. God needs to speak to you. God needs to convict you of sin. Uh, if you go to Second uh, Timothy, Paul says that when the word of God is proclaimed, there's going to be conviction, there's going to be instruction, there's going to be correction and righteousness that the men and women of God might be complete. Hey, if you're not... If you're not being shaped by the Word of God, if you're not being shaped by listening to God's Spirit, then uh, you're leaning on your own understanding and you're on the Broadway that leads to destruction. Right. Yeah, something I also see like what the church should be doing, I guess in my mind I'm also thinking like the big church body, not just congregations, is like the primary thing I think you agree is preaching the gospel. And I think in that, like you were saying, people don't talk about sin very much. And if you don't talk about sin, then you're not talking about the gospel. And like a lot of churches, at least I think, I haven't been to them all, but it seems to be like you're all about, you know, the feeling or the vibe. And we're not talking about like the meat of it that you should be. And it's just like get people in the door, but don't like give them what they really need. Well, and that goes back, you use the word gospel and some folks don't grasp what gospel means. But gospel means bad news before it means good news. Uh, the gospel says you're going to hell. The, the gospel says that without, you're without hope except his sovereign mercy. And, and then the good news comes in is that God has mercifully done something that while you were dead in sins and Christ and trespasses, that God says he, he sent his son to die for you. So when you go to a church where the gospel's not dominant, you're basically saying people are okay, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. And if that's the case, then you don't need Jesus. You certainly don't need a dead Jesus. You don't need somebody that suffered on the cross. And therefore, you don't really have a focus on the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. And if, if that's not a focus, then you're yet in your sins and, and basically you just have a religious community. You're not having a Christian experience with God. Yeah, and I, I think that people in America today who think they're Christians are really not like regenerated. They just think they're in their religious community. And I think that's a big issue too of why we see the, like the degeneration in the culture is because they're, they're claiming they think they know it, but they don't. Well, no, what do you think? That would make sense that, that a lot of folks, they, they have been taught easy believism. Uh, and in, basically in our culture too, uh, there, is, there is a growing um, disdain for even God's existence. You know, we used to change the terminology from being Christian to being faith-based. Mm. Uh, and nowadays, it's not even, it, you might call it spiritualism. But, um, you know, the younger generation really hasn't encountered God. Um, and as we said, since, since the church is no longer a bright citadel, it's not a city on a hill, it doesn't influence the legislatures. I mean, one, one illustration I, I think about is that when uh, the, the U.S. Con uh, Constitution was being put together, uh, the people came together. They were some powerful, big thinkers, some, some wealthy dudes and everything else when they met in Philadelphia. And they were angry at each other because there were some from the small states and there were some from the big states. And they couldn't agree. They couldn't come to, uh, to compromise because that to them seemed to be awkward and ugly. And you know how they ended up doing it? Is when Ben Franklin, who's not supposed to be the, the, the real religious guy, he says, hey, um, that a government can't rise uh, unless God's in it. Because if you remember, he said a sparrow can't fall without 
about the, the Lord's knowledge. He was quoting the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, so they basically had a recess. And you know what they did during those three or four days? They went to church. No, they went to church. There was a preacher up the road in Philadelphia, ended up preaching sermons about these things. And when they came back together, they realized they didn't have to compromise, but they could both work it together. And that's, by the way, how they came up with the bicameral system in Congress. The Senate and the House is based upon both of them getting what they wanted, but they work together. It's really fascinating how God can work good together, uh, even when it looks like it's impossible. So this question four is kind of related. It says, uh, is it important that we participate in church or in the church? And what should we look for primarily in the church we attend? Oh, that's a loaded question. Because <laughs> okay, there's lots of churches out there and, and a lot of folks are going. It's almost like they shop for churches today. Um, and that's not really the biblical concept. Um, the I, am, I believe there's three kinds of churches. There's God the Father churches, God the Son churches, and God the Spirit churches. Uh, God the Father churches focus on doctrine, God the Son churches focus on activity, and God the Spirit churches focus on emotions or, or, or your experience with God. And I used to be a little bit more critical if you weren't one over the other. Uh, now I actually would like to see them be all three. Now when you say, what are you looking for when you go to a church? That's my answer. I'm looking for doctrinally sound. I'm looking for those who actually have people that walk with God and folks that actually uh, prioritize the kingdom in their activity, in their giving, and in their passions. Hence, at the church here, I actually focus on it's uh, communicating the gospel by our words, by our deeds, and with our passions. It's holistic. And so, yes, I don't want people to come and just be spectators uh, because spectators just like fans in the, in, in the stadium. Uh, they're not out on the field. God calls us to go into the world. We're the ones that are supposed to be the players. Now, I do agree that we need to have our holy huddles. We need to pray. But when God gives us the direction, uh, which is what you end up getting in church when you're listening to the word, then you leave from there and you run the play in the world where God put you. Right. Okay. Uh, you were saying you don't think or church shopping. So <clears throat> in order to find a church that has the, the three things... I know you like to call it the triperspectival. Um, don't you <laughs> have do. to go to multiple churches oh, to oh, do that? Um, like, what do you call church shopping then? Okay, I guess? then uh, basically, when you're church shopping, you're saying, I want to do something that meets my needs. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think the reason you've got to go looking at different churches is because. If you, if you move into a new area, you won't even know whether they're conservative, whether they're Bible-believing, whether they're, um, they're neo-orthodox, or, or whether they're just nice. Okay? And, and you know, all these adjectives can, uh, can, they be, can be applaudable, but you've got to hear the gospel. Not just preached once, but if you go back a second time, you've got to hear the gospel again. And I, wouldn't, I never encourage anybody to go to a church where the gospel's not out. And when I actually knock on doors, when I visit folks, uh, I often will say, if the Bible's not preached, then you probably need another church. Okay, so if, you, just, if you're thinking right now, uh, you know, does, does the preacher open up the Bible? Does the preacher read the text? Or do you just get a nice story? Do you just get some cool testimonies? You know, if with faith comes by hearing the word of God, and that's essential. So in a sense, if you're looking for a church, you got to find the word of God there. And if you find the word of God, he puts all the pieces together. Right. Yeah. And I also think it's important that churches don't like have topics, I guess, that they won't cover. Like I think some churches, they don't want to like offend people or stuff like they're churches who may not want to talk about government and stuff like that. But it's important that like your uh, the church you go to sees that the Bible applies to every aspect of life. And, and don't you think it should have teaching that covers like all aspects of well, life. Well, the long. scripture obviously says that we should preach the whole counsel of God. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, his, his 
disciple in, in chapter uh, four of, of his last book, he said, be ready in season and out of season to preach the word because we're in the dark days. We're in the latter days where people don't want to hear it. They'll heap to themselves people who will tickle their ears rather than speak the truth. So yes, there is, there is that, um, your point is well taken. All right, and then um, kind of at the beginning of question four, it says like, uh, is it important that we participate in the church? And so I guess this, this could mean, I guess, going to church and being involved maybe in ministries they have and stuff. Is that important? Well, uh, I'm a little older than you, obviously, Hannah. And uh, when my church-going experience when I was a kid, uh, it was expected for us to be at church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And uh, since my dad was a preacher too, uh, we actually had to be there for Sunday school. So for normal churchgoers, we went to church four times a week. Uh, what I find today in the, in the 2000s, you know, we're already 2021, 20, but uh, increasingly people feel like they're going to church enough if they go three times a month. And so if, as, a, as a result, when you talk about participation, a lot of folks today are not schooled in the word. They can't handle it. It doesn't flow off their lips. Why? Because they're not, they're, they're not hearing it. They're not resonating in it, and therefore I think they're more shallow in it. But yeah, participation means you become active. In, in our church, we actually do what we call the fourth point. Uh, when, the, when the sermon is preached, uh, we want you to document uh, what the Lord is teaching you, what the Holy Spirit is either whispering to your heart. I mean, the, the, in Romans 8, it says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. He, he even calls out to us that we're Abba Father, you know, that, that we're in relationship. And I believe that when the word is preached, and you know, that, that God's spirit makes it an effectual means to be able to strengthen your faith. And if you take notes, then we always say, talk about it. You know, share it with your family, with your extended, uh, and even uh, we would say with your community group, with others. Because as you talk about what the Lord is teaching you, uh, that is what uh, Acts one eight says we're doing. We're going into the world as witnesses. Yeah. That God is alive. Yeah. And then also, like you were saying, that um, some people are going like three times a month. From some like statistics I was seeing, it's even less than that. Like I think it's even less than that. They barely go at all. But like so, yes, you were providing biblical support that. God does want us to meet together and um, participate in a church. Well, group. that was one of the things when COVID was shutting us down and even what some of the, the blue states around the country, they're, they're fine, that the preachers there are having a hard time um, being able just simply to open their doors and meet. Uh, it's, it's, it's unfathomable that that's in the United States, that churches are, uh, they're, they're being banned on singing because they might project uh, some virus or something. Uh, my point is that, that the Bible does say over and over and over again that we ought to come and meet with God. Now, I, I don't, it doesn't say we have to meet four times a week. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, if you go to the, the Ten Commandments, it seems to, to, to say that one day is special, that it's dedicated to the Lord. And even though the Westminster Confession is a little bit uh, legalistic on it, that it has to be the whole day, my emphasis is that it reorients your week. Um, that one in seven just changes everything. And then uh, I do encourage, since we have the priesthood of believers, that every day we're in the word of God. We don't have to wait to go and meet with the preacher again. But we shouldn't be left to our own understanding uh, and be confused or actually come up with some wrong conclusions. All right, then we can hop to question number five. And it says, what role should the church play in society or culture? Okay, well, I started off by saying that one of the three institutions that God ordained or the authorities that he, uh, he gave to mankind, that the home should have order with a, with a father and mother and the kids. Uh, then the, the state, and it's explained further in, um, in Romans 13, but the church 
uh, as an entity, God said that he gave organization to it after the gospel was completed, the gospel events of, of Jesus dying and, and being resurrected and ascending. He said he gave gifts unto men, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. So when you look at those gifts of organization, uh, then, then things have changed. The church now is supposed to influence uh, I like to say that we're, we're called to worship, we're called to influence, we're called to disciple, and we're called to evangelize. Now, we know that evangelizing is we're just lifting up Christ. In discipleship, we're spending time to try to see young people become mature in Christ. It's, it's spiritual formation. Uh, but then when it comes to the worship is, hey, that's what the family of God does all the time. I like to call it four generations meeting together. But the other one with influence, I do believe the church should be influential. Uh, if you look at America would not even be here without the church having been influential. I mean, even when you think about it, even the preachers were influential. Uh, Jonathan Witherspoon was one of the signers, I think, of the Declaration. And you find the different clergy that were influential in D.C. Uh, and, and these guys like Whitfield and, and uh, Wesley, uh, they ended up preparing the people to say, we're going to follow God, not follow man. Right. Yeah, I think that the the church, but in my mind, I'm also thinking like like bigger than like church congregation, like um, Christians in general, I guess. They should really be like involved in culture, like we're called to be salt and light. And so in that respect, the church should be really impactful in culture. And like you were saying in the um, founding of the country, it was largely the Christian worldview that, that like um, propelled the nation into what it is and, and the values it held and, and everything like that. And, and that's a, a key factor to why we've lasted so long under one constitution and in this form of government that's been such a blessing to the world. Well, well, I mean, George Washington in his farewell address said religion and morality are indispensable supports. I mean, and if you look at all the foundations of the higher of the schools of higher education, all the Ivy League schools, they were all established to advance the cause of Christianity. So, I mean, when you think about it, even the education in this country was all to equip people so they could see the truth and not be deceived, not be tricked, not be uh, pulled astray, or to even uh, be left to their own devices, or what I like to say, to come up with alternatives for their utopias. Uh, today, when people don't have that Christian education, when they don't know the Word of God and they're not hearing the Word of God, they're in a they're end up naturally just thinking like if there is no heaven as as john lennon's song says well then we'll just create one and we'll have a green new deal and we'll just make things uh we'll try to make this world heaven and uh boy that's they're misguided to be able to think that this world's going to be fixed by uh by carbon and all that this world needs jesus right yeah and it, i think that that the world the heaven on earth worldview is what propels marxism and communism where they want to make it the best it can be here uh, which is just false and it, it won't work. But I think it's also interesting how you were talking. It made me think of how like the Christian principles and the, and the Bible and like God's commands for us kind of propel us to do things like start schools or to start a nation built on uh, biblical principles and that work out well and they're good things. So I think it's interesting how the Bible kind of inspires us to be creative and to do things and get involved in culture, which is kind of contrary to what I think a lot of people say today where it's kind of like the church has its fear, it does its thing. But in reality, the church is what's like propelled and started and influenced other things. It inspires you to do other things. Um, so hopefully we'll get back to more of a biblical culture. But that kind of leads to our bonus question that we have. And it says, do you think that the current impact of the church will increase or decrease in the near future? And if you have an example. <laughs> in the near future. Uh, well, I actually have to say that, that my biblical faith says that the church is going to increase in significance. Okay, now what I mean by that is 
Jesus said, even the gates of hell will not prevail. It won't, it won't thwart the advance of Christ's kingdom. Now, that begs the question, what is Christ's kingdom? Is it just mega churches? Is it where, where there's a church on every street corner? You know, is it where everybody attends at least, as I said, three services a month? You, know, you can measure the church in a lot of different ways. And I think most of us would be saddened because I think those measurements are not going to give us the fruit we're looking at. That bonus question is really to me saying, I do believe the church is going to be super impactful, but it's not gonna be for the broad numbers of people. In other words, when you think about the, the when Jesus talked about a remnant, um, he always has said, broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life and few are on it. I do believe the church is going to minister effectively to the few. And I do also believe that we're going to equip the saints to be able to do what God wants to be done. Now, with, for those of you that are going to be saddened because you're going to say, well, what about America? You know, why, what about the world? You know, now, everybody that's coming up with their utopian idea of what the church of Jesus Christ should look like on earth you know, just read the book of Revelation. You know, it, it doesn't say that we're going to have mega church on every corner. It says we're going to have mega persecution. I mean, it said, look at how they treated Jesus. Okay, if they treated Jesus that way and they put him on a cross, you know, what do you expect that they're going to do to us? Now, I, I often say that um, how effective we're going to be, I think some of us are, I used to say like what, when I was in Florida, uh, there was a, a group of Christians who used to stand on the street corner and they used to hold up their signs and they say, you're going to hell! Okay, I mean, I remember uh, some of my church family down there, they would come to me and they said, those people following that guy, uh, they, they're, doing, they're doing a disservice to us. And then I said, why are we talking about it? And they said, well, because those people were standing on the street corners with signs. And I said, yeah, they were, they were change agents. They were people who, who didn't let the status quo go on and on. Now, were they, were they wonderful in, in making it easy for us? No, but they were pace setters in the sense, I got to share the gospel with quite a few people because of what the other people had done that seemed to be ugly. I was actually saying, hey, they're out there because they care about something. Now, if we are neutralized to the point where we can't even speak up, or like I say, if we're canceled because we make somebody feel bad, or if we actually read the scripture and says, oh, you're not free to choose whatever gender you are because, hey, God already gave you a gender. Um, people may not like us uh, because they're going to push away from us and say, you hurt my feelings. Uh, I'm like, no, the issue is not with me. The issue you have is with your creator. And I can clearly tell you that he made male and female and he said it was very good. Um, I mean, that's the way that I would come up with people. Are we gonna be super effective? Um, I think we already have been effective to, the, to an extent because they wanna cancel us. That means we've been a bother to them, okay? But my prayer is, is as the truth comes, it will set people free. And as the light shines, the scripture says, the darkness flees. So this is a great opportunity for the light to shine before men that they may see not only our good works, but they may see God at work in us and give glory to him. Yeah, so I think that in the near future, the church is going to be, well, because it's getting like, well, as we've seen, the culture has turned less Christian and we've drifted away from the biblical principles and from God in general. It's, it's more dark. And, and so I think that that means there's a greater need for the gospel. Like it's more evident. So the more depraved people become, the more like 
like different and set apart or easy it is to share the gospel because they're in need of something even more desperately. Like if everybody's like in a Christian culture, but not everybody's necessarily saved, but they're in the culture that has those principles, then they're like, well, I'm a decent person. You know, this is okay. And the world's okay because they're following the biblical principles. But when everybody's so degenerate, then they're like, something's definitely really, really wrong. Well, you're, you're describing the idea of the Titanic sinking that when people recognize that, that the, the, the hope that they have of having a long life or having heaven on earth, it, it, when they realize it's slipping away, then they'll start looking for lifeboats. They'll start looking for a message of hope. And, uh, and we're the only ones that have it. I mean, if I quote from John 6, Jesus looked at Peter and some of the other disciples and people were fleeing from Christ uh, because they didn't like what he had to say. And he says, well, are you gonna leave too? And, uh, and Peter said, you're the only one that's got the words of life. So I agree with you that, that we have the words of life in the scripture. The church is uh, important. I mean, Jesus would never have said that the ecclesia was going to endure if it wasn't going to endure. And he was gonna use that to be a light to the ends of the age. Because he said he'll be with us and he'll be with us through the church of which he is the head. I was gonna just mention the one hymn that my dad used to treasure. Uh, the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. Uh, when, when I think I'm wrapping up my thoughts about the church, the church is a beautiful thing. I'm so sad that a lot of people that have gone to local churches haven't experienced Christ's church. Because if they don't have the Bible, if they don't have the gospel, they have religion, but they don't have Christ Church. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on uh, the Get Thinking Podcast. It's exciting to be on it. <laughs> all right. Well, we will see you all in the next episode, and let's get thinking. <laughs>